0: Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Speaking of teaming up with experts, you know I always say this, we wanna hear from you. If you do have a topic you'd like to hear on Nine to Thrive or you'd like to suggest, please email us at podcasts at hci.org. Well, hey, you all. First of all, happy new year. Happy new year. I am thrilled and honored today to have Rachel Bauer and Kelsey Pitlick lead us off for 2023 here, really to kick us off for the new year. They are the co-founders of Guild Collective. Guild Collective changes individual views and behaviors to shift workplace cultures and break down gender barriers. They approach this in a couple of different ways. They offer leadership workshops to provide skills to succeed. They also offer gender inclusion programs to create an environment where diverse talent can thrive. Since 2015, they've worked with big companies, nonprofits, universities, and campus organizations and they are now additionally dedicated to working with those who truly want to create change within their organizations and have developed programming for all employees because we know everyone must do their part. And you all, for our listeners in full transparency, I've been so fortunate to work as a facilitator with Guild Collective over the last five years an aid in this amazing mission. Welcome and Happy
1: New Year, Kelsey and Rachel. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having us, Cindy. We're really excited to be here. Um, This is Kelsey speaking, Um, (laughs) just really looking forward to this conversation.
2: Happy New Year and, you know, really, really excited to be here and to be talking about such an important topic today.
0: Truly. And could you, I mean, could you have even imagined five years ago, we would have been doing this? <laughs> no, you know what?
2: honestly. No, I think I could have, if you would have told me <laughs> in five years, I'm get, I'm going to be hosting a podcast. I would have believed you a thousand percent. Uh, I would have believed I you. I love yeah. it.
0: I love it. Well, this it's such an honor to have you all. You've given back so much to my life and with your mission and being able to feel very purposeful in in what you all are doing and be a part of it. So I'm so happy to have you on. And for our listeners, when Kelsey and Rachel and I talked about what we could talk about, especially to kick off the year, one of the things that has just really, I think, been a big conversation piece probably around a lot of folks, even holiday family get-togethers, friend get-togethers, is this idea of burnout. So we decided let's kick off the year talking a little bit about what it is and what it means and how we can work towards curbing this. So would you all mind just starting maybe just to get us kind of on a level playing field here? How would you identify burnout?
1: Absolutely. So Burnout, I think, like you said, is a term that we're hearing more and more, and it's probably something that we have felt before, even if we didn't have a word for it, even if we couldn't give a name to it, it's kind of that feeling, we feel it in our bodies, we feel it in our emotions, and it really goes beyond that idea of the regular stress that, unfortunately, we probably all feel on a daily, weekly, certainly monthly basis at some point or another. But going beyond that and kind of really builds and the definition of it. I won't get into all of the specifics in terms of you know when the term was coined and a lot of the debate about it. Um, but there is an interesting history if you're. Um, Interested in giving that a Google, but there are three specific components that really make up this idea of burnout. So, first, this idea of emotional exhaustion, which comes from caring too much for too long, that really leads to depersonalization as the second component. Really, that inability to continue caring, you kind of separate from some of that empathy or investment that you've had in certain things in the past. And the last one is a decreased sense of accomplishment. So almost this sense of inconquerable futility, feeling like nothing that you do makes a difference. And those three components together are really what makes burnout burnout, kind of taking it beyond that idea of regular stress. And usually when we talk about this in a workshop session or even just in a one-on-one conversation, I start to see people nod along as I'm describing those. We're like, yep, yep, check, check. I've got that. Um, So unfortunately, it is something that I think many of us have felt more and more over the past couple of years with different types of stress and a lot of compounding stress coming into play. But that's sort of our definition segment of the podcast for it.
0: So let me rehash these three areas and make sure I've gotten it right. I always write down notes, and I think I may have missed one here, but emotional exhaustion was the second one depersonalization?
1: Yes. Okay. And then that decreased sense of accomplishment.
0: Yes. Okay. I did get all three of those right. Yeah. I always like, sometimes I like to repeat just for our listeners. So they kind of like, like you said, as you're probably stating it, they're like, yep, yep, yep. And then they want to go back. Oh my gosh, let me write that down. Let me write that down. So, so just a good uh, restate of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was doing the same Kelsey, as you were talking about, I was doing the exact same. I was kind of nodding my head and I've heard this, I've heard you all talk about this before and I'm still nodding my head. I'm nodding my head as you're going through that list. So I guess you know because we're at the beginning of the year, whether you call it a resolution or you don't call it a resolution, um, it's a reset, it's the new year, um, new goals, new you know whatever it might be for this new year, what do you think whatever that terminology is, whether it's resolution or not, but what should your our resolutions be? If we are already feeling that burnout as we head into the new year,
1: I would say feel free to set those resolutions aside. Um, I think that there's sort of a pressure to say, "Okay, it's the start of a new year. I'm going to make all of these resolutions. But if you're already in that place of burnout, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm just going to focus on getting to a better place. I'm going to kind of take that, you use the word reset. I'm going to take this as permission. I'm going to take it as my checkpoint, my starting point to reset. And rather than, you know, build on top of this burnout, I'm going to spend this time kind of digging out of that burnout. I'm going to spend some time getting back to neutral getting back to a good place. And then I can worry about the resolutions. Then I can worry about, you know, setting some additional goals for myself or looking back at the goals that I didn't accomplish in 2022. I think that there's the stress that comes with the arbitrary start of the new year to say, this is the line in the sand where I need to be setting all of these things, or I'm measuring myself against what I did or didn't do last year. And kind of Setting that aside and just being honest with yourself about where you are, what's really important and what isn't. Giving yourself some of that self-permission because nobody else can give it to you, but giving yourself that self-permission to adjust and change those goals, to set those goals aside in order to make room to address burnout. And to address the different types of stress and the stressors, the things that are causing you um, to fall into that burnout, take some time to focus on those things, to focus on moving away from burnout or navigating out of that before you pile more on.
0: I love that you said a starting point to reset. I think you even use the word permission. It's giving us permission to reset. I like that. I like the new year, kind of it's cleansing. Um, how do I dig out of this? How can I start my year off fresh and new? And I like that you said too, you know, don't feel so, um, we ha- tend to have some guilt or shame that might be associated with not necessarily finishing up those 2022 goals, but not to focus on that, like utilize this as a way for us to reset in the new year.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: So if this is possible, um, you know, one of the things that as I was saying, as I was writing down the three kind of underlying terminology around burnout, and I was jotting that down, our listeners often like lists also, (laughs) or, or action, how can we do this? So I guess my next question for you would be. Do you have suggestions or what do you know has worked in terms of this idea of getting out
2: of burnout? We absolutely do. Um, I think that with these suggestions, you know, it's always important to remember that um, when we think about even just resetting for the new year, this is echoing a lot of what Kelsey said, but when it comes to, you know, taking on something and saying to yourself, I really want to get out of this cycle of burnout. You know, it's important to remember that it's a process and you're not going to switch from burned out to not burned out in one day or one week or probably even one month. So what I'll say first, before I give you sort of the the how is just, you know, step one is before you even begin, just kind of remembering that it's a lifelong process. And unfortunately, you know, societally, professionally, we're often set up to fail when it comes to getting out of these cycles of burnout just because we are an always on culture. And so you have to sort of work against the grain in a lot of ways, but I can definitely give some concrete, you know, next steps or things that people can focus on. And the other thing I can do is provide some resources that I think have really been life-changing for myself and for Kelsey and, and things that, you know, hopefully you could provide and the notes for the show, a place that, you know, people could read more, but yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of start the biggest and probably most life-changing resource that I, I know, you know, I, I read it and I said, it's, it's life-changing. And then Kelsey read it and said, yes, absolutely. is a book that's called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And that is written actually by two sisters who are both doctors in different areas. There's Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. And so I'll make sure to get you the information on that book. But what was so life-changing about this book for me was just the idea of the stress cycle, which is right there in the title. When it comes to burnout, there's really two things that we have to remember. We are working on two different things. So we are in a cycle where we are stressed. So our body is having an actual physical reaction to what it is perceiving to be a threat. And then we are actually, you know, experiencing those threats. So those threats being known as the stressors. So really what was, was so important for me as a takeaway from that book was this idea of sort of separating the two. And I want to just give a really short example of what I mean by that, because it's really important to realize that these are two separate and very concrete things. The stress itself, the actual bodily reaction um, to a threat, and then the stressor. And they kind of need to be dealt with in two separate ways, which was confusing for me at first. So when it comes to an example, um, and this is going to be badly paraphrased from, from that amazing book, but They give an example of being chased by a lion. I think it was a lion, you know, and you are, you start to be chased by this predator and your body goes into an immediate stress response. You, you know, your, your blood is pumping harder. You are scared and and you have a reaction to that threat, which is you run and you try as hard as you can. You're probably yelling. You're probably, you know, expressing stress from any different way that you can, until you're able to get to a safe place, and then once you get to that safe place, you know your body sort of goes through the process of completing that stress response because you, um, you know, you've experienced all these neurological responses to the stress, and the actual stressor has been taken care of as well. You know, in this example, you've gotten away from the lion; you're no longer in danger, so the perceived threat is also gone. And if you've ever run away from something, I personally haven't ever experienced running away from a lion. but um, you know, if you've ever been in any sort of danger, maybe you know, you almost get into a car accident or something, you know that physical feeling I'm talking about of like your body goes into hyperdrive and then it sort of shuts itself back down slowly. What is interesting about this example is that you have the stress, which is the actual danger and fear that you're gonna die. And then you have the stressor, which is the threat, which is the thing that's chasing you. In this example, that was the lion. Um, So the stress is that physical reaction that your body has. And it's really important to address if you're in a cycle of burnout, you have to address that bodily reaction. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, And you also have to address the stressor itself. So, you know, what is really important and was so eye opening for me is this idea of completing your body's stress cycle. And for many people, I think, especially as we're in the new year, especially as we're getting into habits that we want to set, there can be some eye rolling around this topic, but The fact is, is that our bodies go into a stress response cycle that was, you know, sort of put in place um, as an evolutionary response to danger, meaning, you know, we're able to run faster, we're able to get higher and climb bigger surfaces and to get away from a threat. So what that means for us in today's world is that if we don't experience that physical stress response, when we perceive a threat, our body isn't able to complete that cycle. So what that means for all of us in layman's terms is that we have to take our body through this stress response cycle on our own because the perceived threat of a stressful deadline at work, that stress is going to continue to build in our body if we don't complete those cycles. So what that means is getting your daily exercise, going for a walk doing a meditation. Some of the examples they give in that book are laughing really, really hard with your community of people. Um, The things that actually put your body into a healing process. And so dealing with your body's physical reaction to stress is, it's just the utmost importance. And it's something that so many of us take for granted, just having these bodies that can move in different ways. We're all unique and individual and I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and run a marathon, but your body has a very physical reaction to stress. So in terms of relieving yourself of some burnout, that could just be building in 15 minute breaks throughout the day, two of them to go for a brisk walk, whatever that might mean, but something that's going to get your blood pumping and release some of those stress responses. Because if you never alleviate the stress response in your body and you're only focused on dealing with the stressor or getting rid of the stress itself, that's great. We want to get rid of the threat, but we can still have a very physical reaction in our bodies without realizing it. So when I read this book, I sort of had this mental clarity moment of like, wow, I live in a constant state of tension and I really have to focus on alleviating that. And it was really important for me to have that recognition. But I think a lot of what people are probably coming to this podcast for are more of those daily tools to help alleviate some of those stressors. So taking stock of some of the things in your life that repeatedly cause you to feel stressed. And from a HR perspective, I think these are absolutely tools that you can bring to your companies as well, which are assessing some of the things that you do. You know, if we're thinking purely from a work perspective, I can give examples from a workplace perspective, but I guarantee everyone can apply them to their personal lives as well, especially as we are emerging out of the holiday season with our families and loved ones and lots of togetherness. Um, but the three things that we generally advise people to sort of take stock of when they're looking at their own levels of burnout are your collaboration and more specifically how we overload ourselves on collaboration. So I'll talk about that. Um, your boundaries and how those boundaries are blurred, probably more so than they used to be, especially if you are, you know, maybe working in a hybrid environment when you prior to COVID would never have been in that place. So boundary setting, obviously very, very key. Um, And then we also encourage people to look towards a very specific model called the areas of work-life model that is you know, something that is, is just really, really helpful. That's another resource that I can provide, but it basically has us look at, you know, six different areas of work life and really take stock of how we are feeling satisfied in different areas and where we need to maybe make some improvements. So I can talk about that as well. But with the first point that I made there of collaboration, it's harder than it sounds, but it's an easy you know, this is something that you can do. If I were to advise everyone listening to do one thing, um, it would be to take stock of your collaborative overload. So what that means is we are constantly in meetings. We are constantly responding to emails. Um, I believe the statistic is that managers spend 85% of their time responding to emails or in meetings, which only leaves them 15% of their days to actually get work done. If we are collaborating that much, uh, this may be an unpopular opinion because I know collaboration can be linked to a lot of great ideas and, and complex thinking and things that maybe wouldn't have been represented otherwise, but there has to be a balance of you know where can you take yourself out of collaboration when you're not really able to add anything and where it's taking away from your ability to get things done. So are you in weekly meetings that could probably be a bulleted email? Are you still a part of an ongoing series of meetings that maybe you've already given your contribution to and you don't need to be in each month? You know, are you having conversations about things that you don't need to always be discussing? You know, how many checkpoints are there for work before it goes out? Taking stock, even like physically going back three to six months and looking at your calendar, starting with your repeating meetings and seeing, okay, do I need to be doing these each week? What, what could this look like if I were to reduce this and make this different, you know? Um, and really kind of starting to take stock of even just emails that you're on that you don't need to be on and starting to kind of shift the culture on your immediate team can be so incredibly powerful to just making sure that people know, especially if you've just become a go-to person that so many of us pride ourselves on being because it makes us feel so essential but like letting others know I don't need to be on all of this and here's why I'm reducing my participation in so many of these things but you know here's where it's going to allow me to grow in terms of my output in other areas so being really really key on how you communicate that is really important as well
1: Rachel, one thing I'll add to that, too, is I know that a lot of us are probably um, helpers. We're all kind of focused on what we can do for others, too. So I think that in assessing your participation in some of those activities or some of those meetings as well, you can start to identify who would really benefit from being here. How can I kind of delegate or bring someone else in that would be in a much better position to be participating in this maybe they have a different type of expertise or maybe they're really growing in their career so how can you know with me stepping back rather than feeling guilty about that or feeling some type of way about that which you shouldn't from setting boundaries perspective but how can I also make this an opportunity to give someone else a place to participate and shine as well and kind of Put the focus there and frame it from that perspective, too, because I know it can be hard to just say, like, I'm bowing out of this. Mm -hmm. So that's just one thing I always like to add there. Yep, a great add. Thank you, Kelsey.
2: Yeah, I think it's so important to just remember that you can be doing a service by stepping back, um, not only to yourself, but to others as well. I think we so often want to do things that benefit others. And so if that's the mindset shift that you need, then by all means, like focus on that. Um, the other area that I touched on before was this idea of blurred boundaries. So whether or not you're in a hybrid work environment, um, you know, the last several years, I don't even need to say this, but we know they've been weird. We've navigated in and out of workplaces and With so much of that came this idea of I'm just gonna hop on early and answer emails and do this. You know, I'm gonna when I wake up at six AM, I'm gonna respond to this, or I'll do this after I put my kids to bed, or whatever that that means when we were in this kind of fight or flight response when we first responded to the pandemic. But what we have seen is that so often a lot of these, you know, for lack of better words, bad behaviors have continued and We have, you know, even more so than we were before the pandemic, we've just become more and more of a society that have very few boundaries when it comes to work in life. And so, you know, taking stock of what those boundaries are or aren't in your personal life is a wonderful step one. Again, this can be actually looking back at your emails, at your outbox, for example, and just. Taking note, or even you can make a spreadsheet, I don't care, but looking, how often am I sending an email before or after my quote work hours? You know, how often am I doing this? And if you are working from home, are you giving yourself a start and an end time and holding yourself accountable to that? So, you know, there's a lot of concrete things that you can do here to better your boundaries, you know, even giving yourself, especially if you're working remotely or hybrid giving yourself a commute um, in the form of a walk around the block at the end of your day, um, having sort of a ritual to opening and closing your computer and, you know, having a daily start and a daily end ritual can be really, really important. Um, just being very, very intentional with those boundaries. And then again, just like with those reductions in collaboration, communicating those boundaries to the appropriate people. Um, There's lots of tools that can be used here as well. It doesn't mean that you never have to send an email before or after hours, but what we often forget about is how the person receiving that communication can interpret that as their need to be on as well. So utilizing schedule send, you know, if you are realizing, wow, I am utilizing schedule send three to four times an evening, I probably need to do a reset of when I'm working uh, you know, just with different things, you know, making sure you're firming up those boundaries can be really important. I love Rachel I love I' mean so much
0: there, and thank you also for giving very concrete tips or how to get started. Um, but one of the things one of the things that you all taught me actually was the schedule send because you've put it in that frame of reference for me exactly what you were just saying, Rachel in that. If I send it, I don't want someone else to think that my expectation is they are now working and having to return that if it's outside of those, what we would call a traditional work hour. So, you all have taught me that, and I don't use it a ton. But Sunday nights, <laughs> when I'm getting ready, I'm like, I'm going to wait till Monday morning. But the other thing that you mentioned, Rachel, which, gosh, for a lot of people who, whether they're in a hybrid work week or they work from home during the week, is that creating a ritual to start and or end your day, because it does feel like you're just, it all just kind of blends together when, you, when you're in your office. And then, oops, now I'm in my kitchen, right? We're just doing everything from the same place. What a great example to provide. Yes.
1: And I'll add, it really makes a difference too, in terms of um, kind of that link between being always on and being burned out. Um, the Women in the Workplace study that's conducted annually by leanin.org and McKinsey and Company, they really dug into some burnout statistics in their 2020 report. They just released the 2022, which also has some great data, but a little bit less in the burnout space. But what they found in that 2020 report was that for the people that are expected to be always on, or available 24-7 that are feeling that need to respond, 57% are burned out. And again, going back to just the very beginning of this conversation, when we talked about burnout going beyond that idea of normal stress, I'm not saying 57% are stressed. Um, It's probably 100% are stressed, but 57% are feeling that emotional exhaustion, that depersonalization. So, you know, thinking about that really strong link between that need to be always on, however much of that we're putting on ourselves, as opposed to how much our colleagues are expecting that of us, if we're caregivers, how much we're on as caregivers, um, really being closely linked to that burnout. And so, being able to set those boundaries is so, so critical there.
0: It's such important work. I'm so glad you all are you know, on this path and working with organizations, which I guess brings me to my next question really is, you know, I know that you've been doing this work around the country, um, you know, whether it is that you've been invited in, whether it's become a priority for the organization or even, you know, for organizations, it's tying into a bigger picture, but why is that happening? Why do you think, why are you seeing that more now that you are being brought in to talk about this. Any thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, I think that companies are really starting to recognize that they need to be part of the solution rather than just asking their employees to juggle more. Rather than just asking more and more of their employees, they're saying, oh, this is a big problem. I mean, that 57% uh, are feeling burned out. Um, If we're seeing more and more employees that are facing this, um, and especially women are experiencing burnout at even higher rates than men, you know, it becomes a question of retaining talent and retaining women in your organizations, retaining senior women specifically. Um, right now, I mentioned that women in the workplace study right now, what they found in the 2022 study is that Senior women are leaving their companies at record rates, not to leave the workforce, which we saw some really scary statistics around during the pandemic in terms of women kind of stepping back from the workplace because of all of the outside responsibilities that were being piled on top of them. Um, But right now what we're seeing is that these senior women are leaving because they're going to other companies that have more supportive practices. And it's so, so critical to retain that top talent because it's often those individuals, those senior level women that are actually driving some of those supportive workplace practices. So it's such a cyclical um, thing if you're losing that talent because your organization isn't supportive. If those individuals were the ones that were driving any bit of support that you did have and they're leaving to go somewhere else, then you know even the, the younger women in the organization or younger individuals, not just women in your organization, that really value things like you know flexible work, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. If we aren't kind of focused on those things that are becoming more and more important for younger employees, then all of our organizations are going to kind of see this leak or see this um, talent kind of leaving our organizations and going to other places. Um, I do think it's important to say that I'm not indicating that senior women should be the only ones doing that work. Um, It certainly needs to be more evenly distributed and the work that's being done in terms of creating those more supportive work environments needs to be rewarded and evaluated in a way that shows that the organization truly values the work. But I think that's where organizations are kind of playing catch up a little bit. So they've known that employees want these things, but in terms of kind of taking that knowledge and putting it into practice is where they need a bit more Help and maybe looking at things like policies, looking at how managers are trained. Um, only about half of managers are currently being trained on how to minimize burnout on their teams. Think about how powerful it would be if 100% of managers had this understanding of even the impact of them sending a late night email. <laughs> you know, there's so many small things that could be incorporated into our ways of working that would really help.
0: Well, and again, thank you, Kelsey, such great information and thank you for pulling in some of the statistics that you're seeing. But I've been hearing this, you know, even at the end of 2022, and I'm sure I'm going to continue to hear it in interviews this year, is that, you know, what employees are demanding of their employers and we're going to see a huge shift, if not already, um, with workplaces. So I I love that you had mentioned, you know, what if every manager was trained to help spot this and help to give others tools and tips, and then th- for themselves to be able to be mindful and intentional about their practices too, it could all really start to uh, move us in the right direction.
1: Yeah, those managers are certainly burned out as well. That's and so right. even, be- <laughs> even being able to model some of these things that make it feel more accessible or maybe empowers their direct reports to say, okay, well, if my manager is doing this, I can do this too. Absolutely.
0: Well, hey, if you guys have time for just one more question, um, I always like to get a little bit personal. And with us uh, just kicking off the year here, I thought it would be kind of a neat question to ask. What about the two of you, you know, using the language of reset, Um, When we think about this, you know, whether it's at the beginning of the year, whether it's at some point during the year, have you all thought about any of your priorities or what you'll put into place to maybe stave off burnout for 2023? Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. I would say mine is very much in in the vein of what Rachel was saying about this is kind of a, a lifelong practice. So for me, it's something that, um, well, there's two pieces. I would say one at the start of 2021, I was just really in a place of struggling and I kind of started off the podcast or the conversation today saying, you know, it's okay to set aside the expectation of the resolutions or the goal setting. At the start of 2021, I was definitely not in a place to be setting goals, but I still went through this whole process of kind of creating a strategy map for myself and setting objectives and strategies. And then I looked at it and I just said, none of this really matters right now. I just need to set this aside, tuck it away. All of those things will still be there. And I can come back to them when I'm in a better place emotionally Um, physically, just kind of dealing with a lot of the chaos that 2020 brought and some loss that I experienced in my family. And so being able to kind of give myself that permission and starting from then that I've kind of continued to do and that I will continue to do as we head into the new year and kind of kicking off 2023 um, is really saying, what does matter to me right now? What are the things that are the most important to me? And what am I the most excited about? What do I really want to do? And so that looks like changing maybe those goals, changing my areas of focus, but also getting more granular. When I wake up at the beginning of the day, maybe I thought that I was going to get really into one project but I'm really have my mind on a different project, for example, or on a different client, giving myself some permission to say, this is what I thought I was going to be doing today. But if this is where my head is, if this is where my heart is, this is where the deep work is going to be. It's okay for me to change my mind. It's okay for me to shift that. And even you mentioned that Sunday night, I certainly sit down at my computer on Sunday night and try to plan out my week but I've started to try to only map that out two days at a time to say, here's how I think I might spend Monday and Tuesday. But rather than get to Wednesday and feel like, oh, everything is completely thrown off. I'm a failure. Um, just saying, yeah, I can plan this out a little bit, but give myself room for it to shift and change, I think has been one of the most I don't know, influential practices or helpful things that I've done. And some days that also might mean, hey, my body is feeling a lot of that stress today and I need to go move my body somehow. Um, I need to go take my dog for a walk. I need to. Meditation, (laughs) walk, whatever it is. Yep. Yes. So that is my strategy, just flex as
0: much as I can. I love it. it. (laughs) For some reason, all of a sudden I have this vision of like a big arm, like you're, you're flexing your arms. Oh yeah. Well, that too. That
1: too.
0: Yes. For some reason, when you said that, I'm like, I can picture Kelsey flexing. What
2: about you, Rachel? So I, it's funny because before we jumped on to do this podcast, I said to Kelsey, I was like, I feel like, you know, the imposter syndrome is really real because, I'm sort of in the who am I to be giving anyone advice about burnout but because I'm sort of you know for very very different reasons and many different things on a personal level very much kind of where Kelsey was at the beginning of 2021 um this place of you know kind of you know there, there's just always going to be times in our life when we just have to get through the day and You know, I'm hopeful that in this new year, um, my, you know, personal situation will shift to a place where I am no longer in the survival mode that I've been in for quite a while now. We have just, you know, some things happening in our bigger family, extended family that we have had to really been focused on and, and take care of, but you know, it's been really important for me and what I'll continue to do along with everything that Kelsey just said, you know, being able to change my mind, prioritize where my passions are and going where I feel drawn to go and being okay with that. There's a few different things that I think when it comes to that reset, I'm really going to be focused on this year. So the first has to be, you know, just prioritizing self. I'm a mom of young kids. I have, you know, a a ton of stressors that I can't control from outside sources. Um, So I am really going to maintain being focused on completing my physical stress response cycles. Um, And that looks a few different ways for me, but physical exercise is really big there. Fueling my body with the right things um, is really, really important for me personally. So prioritizing that when I can. But also, you know, on top of everything we've shared, for me, I sort of had a realization moment when a lot of this personal stress that I've alluded to started was when Kelsey was out on her maternity leave when she had her second child. And I had to do a reset of, okay, you know, rather than trying to conquer a huge to-do list, which I'm in no emotional state to do um, what can I do to adjust and change some things so that I can achieve? And I really went back to, you know, Cindy, this is not going to surprise you at all because a lot of the tools that we use kind of go back to this very simple, like grade school idea of creating smart goals, you know, things that follow that smart, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, you know, time bound, realistic, um, you know, being really specific about setting small smart goals for myself, kind of giving myself that blueprint to follow, because I do think that when we're in this period of burnout, we tend to want to list like 20 different things that we, quote. if you could see me, you'd see quotes, air quotes that we should be focusing on and that we have to get done. And that for me is the easiest way to completely squash my productivity I really need to give myself bite-sized pieces of things that I can accomplish and give myself a strategy for doing that. So I get very incremental and, you know, give myself three things to focus on each week um, and then kind of break those into three tasks that I can do each day. Because I have learned in doing this, having my own business, you know, for going on eight years, Like, if I try to give myself 20 things to accomplish, even if all of those 20 things that I'm doing in a single day seem very small, I will get derailed every single day. For all of us, personally and professionally, is full of things to take us off task. So we have to leave room for grace in that and really forgive ourselves for what we can't get done and and try to move from this mindset of, I didn't get this done to, I did get this done. Even if that did column is so much shorter, you contributed to something and you achieved something. And so shifting my focus into that mindset is really where I want to live this year, especially as I continue to navigate out of some personal stress. You know, it's really important that we kind of shift into this place of I'm a human. I can only do what I can do. And I'm really proud of that. Um, That's where I'm starting this this year. And I'm excited about it. That's really
0: exciting. And thank you both for being vulnerable about what you're doing to kind of reset and thinking through some realistic for yourself tips. But I think it's, you know, I'm sure that a lot of folks can hear their own story when you're telling your story. So it certainly gave some tangible things for folks to consider if they do recognize their story in yours as we go forward. So what about you, Cindy? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't I mean... I use trying to use some of the language that I have learned and have been reminded of. For me, I would say the second half of 2022, I was probably experiencing some burnout. Um, I am grateful because of my work with Guild Collective. I had language for that. So I was able to recognize it, but I probably didn't recognize the stressors soon enough. You all are talking about the stressors. And so I wasn't completing my stress cycle now that I hear, right, how you're explaining it and talking about it. I can really relate to that because I went through it. But the first thing that I did just to get me through the rest of 2022 is really prioritize And I'm a big post-it note person. I have a giant post-it note above my desk. On that post-it note is a bunch of smaller post-it notes. So I literally did an exercise to like literally write down everything that I have to do and realign what I need to do or what are those commitments that I want to and need to say yes to and what are those commitments that I can say no to and have those things still fulfilled. So that was my first step to really move myself into a healthier place by the end of 22. But for this year, what I'm doing, and I can't say that it's complete, but what I'm doing is kind of taking a page of the book of what I've again learned from Guild Collective and I'm self-directing myself through activities to create my own strategic plan, which includes my areas of focus, which includes what's you know my values, which includes um, you know some of the language you all have used about smart goals, and and really just realigning. I think I haven't done that in a while because I haven't felt that it was necessary to do. But it's time, you know, same as you all. I've been in business now for five years and it's time to look at it. But thank you for giving me that language of the physical piece and the stressor pieces. I, you know, and I hope for the listeners, too, as they recognize, oh, that's why I feel crazy when I haven't gone for my walk or I haven't meditated or I haven't set my boundaries or, you know, because we haven't completed that stress cycle. And I never really thought about that when you eliminate those things the stressors are still there and that stress response is exasperated as it continues.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: What I love about what you were just saying and kind of thinking about what do I say yes to, what do I say no to even just putting everything through the filter of, is this going to help with that burnout? Is this going to help me either complete the stress response cycle? Is it going to alleviate some stress Or is it going to add more stress? And running things through that filter can be, you know, it sounds so simple, but it can make a huge difference to be able to say, is this going to fill me up? Is this going to be a positive thing? Or is this something that I'm saying yes to? And again, maybe that would be more beneficial for somebody else. Yes.
0: Yep. And I'm learning that, right? And I, yes, I'm learning. And then you had said earlier, Kelsey, or I think that was you, Kelsey, that said, we can always hand things off to other people and it gives them an opportunity to take something new on perhaps and, and try their hand at something else. So first of all, thank you. I know, you know, we're all so busy. And so I really, really appreciate you, you know, as we reset. For 2023, I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules and making this a priority and saying yes. Of course. (laughs) Appreciate you both being on with us today. Thank you so much for for having us. Yeah, it's so fun. I have loved it. You all, thank you uh, for listening in um, and listening in to Rachel and Kelsey of Guild Collective. Some really, really great information that we've shared as we jumpstart our new year or anytime during the year. This is always great information to have. So thank you so much for listening also. All right, 9 to Thrive listeners, of course, of course, to take us home here, please shoot us an email at podcasts at hci.org if you do have any suggestions for topics. If you wouldn't mind, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. We were so grateful to have Guild Collective on today. So for nine to thrive HR and all of us here at HCI,
1: thank you. We appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day.